Welcome to Widowed But Not Alone with Todd Bessie of Credom Wealth Partners, the podcast designed to help people who have lost a partner and those people who support them. We will share stories and resources that will help support your needs, address your financial concerns, and guide you to believe in your future. Now, on to the show. Organization is something that, as a married couple and a team, you probably take for granted. One of you is more organized, one of you isn't. One of you makes the bed in the morning while your spouse cuts the grass. One of you might be a great cook, and one of you is focused on paying the bills. But when you continue your journey through life alone, some of those things that they were good at and you weren't are tough to replace. I'm Todd Bessie with Credom Wealth Partners, and this is Widowed But Not Alone. Today, I'm joined by Maggie Moore, the widow coach. Maggie spent over 20 years in the corporate world at several large global companies, most recently as a compensation and immigration expert, working with staff in overseas locations. Her life changed in 2014 when her husband, John, died in an automobile accident, leaving Maggie as an only parent to their son, Colin. While Maggie turned to her skills as a highly trained human resources executive to assess her situation and prioritize what had to be done after John's death, she quickly realized that grief takes its toll on a widow and hampers the ability to make decisions and take action. Today, Maggie brings an approachable, practical, and warm perspective to her widowed coaching practice and serves as a trusted advisor to her clients and colleagues. She advises businesses, individuals, and families on business and personal matters before, during, and after widowhood, and is known for taking clients from desolation to transformation. Look forward to her forthcoming book series this year in 2022 on practical approaches to surviving and thriving through widowhood. Maggie, welcome to the Widowed But Not Alone podcast. Hi, Todd. I'm really thrilled to be here and to have the conversation on this really important topic. So thank you for inviting me. Thanks for joining us, Maggie. So tell me about the challenges that you faced after your husband, John, passed away. You know, Todd, <laughs> I have to say I was probably the world's worst category for a widow. There were so many things that happened on that day and widowhood kind of comes on us often when we're least prepared for it. I was actually in the middle of a rehab for my house. Our downstairs was down to the stud. There were so many things going on. I think the best way to describe what happened really is to move into kind of the morning after my husband was killed. I'd been notified the night before by the police and the assistant coroner and had talked to the family in a state of shock and just... I was completely devastated, but the morning after was when it really hit. I was sitting there with my cup of coffee and realizing very quickly that my world had detonated. My son was sleeping in the next room and I looked around and I tried to take stock of my life. As I said, our house was in the middle of a rehab. Uh, the downstairs was down to the studs. John was in the middle of trying to drywall and put it back together due to a flood we'd had. We'd lost all of our documents in that flood. I didn't have birth certificates or marriage certificates or any of the things that I would come to need. I actually had walked down to the front door to receive the information about my husband's death. I'd crutched because 
I had gotten injured on what I now know was our last vacation and had multiple knee surgeries, the second of which had occurred just a, a few short weeks before my husband was killed. And I realized in that moment, as all widowed people do, that if I turned around and let this bury me, I was going to take my son with me. Although every part of my body wanted at that point to crawl back into bed and just give in to my grief, I didn't have a choice. So I had to figure out how to make this work. And I looked around and there were boxes piled high from all the stuff we had brought up from downstairs. I couldn't lift anything bigger than a bread box. And I realized at this moment that I couldn't do this on my own. My family was a thousand miles away. So were my in-laws, but I had to figure out a way to make this work. So that's typical of the kinds of things that we need to organize when we're widowed. Oftentimes it comes on us at a point where we lose our spouse, whether, and I want to make this point, whether it's sudden, in my case, a car accident where I kissed him in the goodbye in the morning and he was gone by nightfall, or whether it in theory is expected because of a long-term illness, nothing really prepares us for what we need to do. You know, um, so at that point, what I really struggled with was the, the fact that we have immediate needs as every widow does. We want to think about, you know, the basics, food, clothing, shelter, you know, is there food in the fridge? What's the state of my house? All of those pieces. But we're also struggling with what quickly becomes a tsunami, what I call the business of widowhood, where we're confronted with major changes, literally having to do kind of three things at once. We have to deal with the grief and the grief in and of itself is a huge, huge, overwhelming set of emotions and also biological aspects of it that I'll talk about in a minute. We have to deal with the business of widowhood. We're confronted with making huge changes. We have to take our marriages down to the studs, rethink things like beneficiaries, emergency contact, deal with all of the immense load of paperwork. But we're also doing something else here. We're also setting the foundation for the rest of our lives. And so one of the things that we have to do when we think about working through grief is doing all of that recognizing that this is not just an emotional journey, but trauma on a biological level. Because of that, we really need to make decisions that are different in grieving. So tell me, you know, at this point for you, the situation you were at, what came next? What came next was a sense of almost unreality. It was, it was as though my life and my world as I knew it had detonated. And the next few days and weeks were a stunning set of situations where I had to make decisions, even though I was compromised by grief, but also constantly confront the reality of my husband's. And we don't always, we aren't really ever prepared. I was fortunate in that when I notified my sister who lives in Boston, she said, I'll be on the next plane. But literally those hits, as I like to call them, started right the next day in, in big ways and small ones. So in, in big ways, it was as simple as calling the school and letting them know that my husband had died. My son wouldn't be in school that day. In big ways, it was 
starting to receive messenger deliveries from attorneys offering to represent me in the death of my husband. (laughs) I hadn't even gotten to the point where I was starting to select a funeral home. And I got a knock at the door and got a messenger delivery of a book and a something from an attorney. And literally I went up to the bathroom and, and just lost my sanity and a few other things. It, it's, it's crazy. Even if you're prepared for the death, it's, it's not something that you're used to. I mean, there's dealing with situations around taking care of what to do after that, but you're doing it in this, in this fog. And I think the best way to describe it to you, Todd, is that it's as though your brain and your body is slogging through molasses. You literally biologically can't make these decisions. And there's good reason for it because, you know, there's a biological aspect of grief that no one really talks about. Our brains are really fantastic at, at survival. We've been engineered through that through thousands of years of evolution. But the way we respond to trauma is all designed around one thing. It's designed around making sure that the saber-toothed tiger doesn't eat you and you can get up the nearest tree. (laughs) That doesn't work really well when you're dealing with a long-term ongoing trauma that is, it's definitely absolutely a marathon and not a sprint. So we can talk about kind of the biology at another point, but what really struck me over the next couple of days was this sense of walking through molasses in this journey that I was a part of yet apart from planning the funeral, doing all the things that were right. It That's something that you don't realize how much shock wraps you in that. And you don't actually start grieving until weeks later. So let me ask you, you know, over the years, I've worked with many widowed clients like you and, and struggle who struggled to think clearly and make decisions after the death of their spouse. Yet, you know, some people do seem to be able to isolate the grief, grief and, and are determined to get through all that stuff that's, that's got to be done. So tell me a little bit more about how a widow deals with that emotional side of grief and begins to move forward. Absolutely. So I want to uh, separate this and talk about two aspects, if I could. One is the biological piece of it and what's happening inside your brain. And the other is the emotional side of it, because both of those are important to note when you're trying to think about grief. On the biological side, grief impacts several areas of our brain. There impacts the executive functions. And essentially, that's sort of the traffic cop in our brain that helps us prioritize different aspects of what job to do first, how to handle things, how to respond to change. It impacts working memory, which is also the part where we talk about, you know, I kind of call it sort of your space to shift priorities around. And it thirdly impacts emotional regulation which is our ability to not only kind of decide, you know, when we're going to grieve or handle those intense emotions, but how we react when something triggers them. And then the fourth thing it impacts is our time sense. We, we literally are time blind. Things that took minutes can seem like they take hours. Our lives can seem to stretch off interminably. And at the same time, we can literally forget what day it is. And then there's the emotional side. So, the 
fact that our brain is compromised and when we're doing this work of grief and we have what I call it sort of the brain fog or widow brain is what we call it in the widowed community. We're really trying to work through a couple areas of that work of grief. As I mentioned earlier, we're, we're talking about those three areas. The first being the business of widowhood. The second being the grief part that most people associate with on the emotional side. And the third being really setting that foundation for the rest of your life. So, one of the things that's really important to think about when you're dealing with the emotional aspects of grief is what I call the pop bottle or the soda bottle example. Grief, uh, grief un- unexamined is really like putting a bottle full of pop, t- tightening the lid and shaking it. And what ends up happening is that at some point that carbonation, that grief is going to come out. And if you don't make a choice to release it in a controlled way, it will come out at the worst possible time and explode all over whatever you're trying to deal with in your life, much like that soda bottle. So one of the things I talk to and train people to do is to have outlets for your grief. And those outlets can take a couple of ways, a couple of methods, if you will. One is to think about a trusted therapeutic relationship with a therapist, with a appropriate grief group that's really skilled to, to go ahead and do that. Another is a grief journal, to have an outlet to go ahead and put um, your emotions in. One of the things that I train my clients to do is have that grief journal and basically make a deal with themselves to never actually read it. It is the place to drain out whatever is going on in your brain, whatever you're feeling about. You have the option to go back, but you really don't expect to. And the reason that can be very helpful when you're dealing with the emotions of grief is you can delay them, but you can't deny them. So you might be able, if you're trying to get through a particular situation at work or at home where you need to be on, you can make a deal with yourself and say, I'm going to give myself permission to be totally, absolutely miserable at 8 p.m. at night, but you can't say I'm never going to deal with this. Because invariably, if you don't deal with the grief, it will spill over and impact areas of your life days, months, and years further on. So, so when you are working with someone that's that's grieving and, and trying to move forward, and, and you talk about documenting some of your thoughts and feelings in a journal, when do you recommend somebody go back to that from the perspective of, of addressing those feelings? They can choose to address them in a couple of ways. The purpose of a journal is basically to kind of take the carbonation off the soda pop, if you will. But oftentimes people feel like maybe they're in a therapeutic situation and they want to talk about their feelings. Bringing out the grief journal in that in that context is a fantastic way to kind of look at and, and talk about the intensity of, of what you're dealing with or what you're thinking about as a given point in time. The thing about grief to really think about when you're looking at dealing with it is you want to recognize that your emotions are really going to be all over the place. You're going to have to deal with not only emotional triggers and emotional triggers can be lots of things. They can be sadness. They can be anger. They can be anxiety. Often what I find in working with the grieving is we can turn around and react very viscerally to things that we want sometimes, but what's more common is that we act very viscerally to things we don't want. If someone says something that triggers our grief, we will react very strongly to that. And again, that's part of that emotional regulation. So having an emotional support system in place 
not only people who understand you, and this is often why I see people gravitate towards the widowed community as they navigate through their grief journey, but also having people who are there to support you specifically, whether it's an advisory circle, a therapeutic relationship, or a grief group to really validate what you're going through is critical. So maybe we'll get to that in a few minutes, but let me ask you something, you know, with regards to, you know, putting some structure around the process of getting organized, you know, what are the things that you would recommend some things to think about for someone as they're starting to pull things together? I really look at talking about four keys in terms of getting organized. You want to think about simplicity, flexibility, timing, and support. So when you think about flexible simplicity, you really want to understand that your brain is basically kind of, I hate to say it, but the, over, the work of grief is kind of, if your brain's a bucket, grief fills up that bucket and everything else spills out. So there really isn't any room to put any more in that bucket. And the only way you create space in that bucket is to basically simplify your processes. And you want to have flexibility. You know, so when you talk about simplifying, you want to keep your important papers, your birth, your marriage, your death certificates all in one place. And in my case, I actually had to go and order all of them. And once I did that, I put them in a notebook and a binder that I could basically pull them out and have them available. You want to be flexible. Recognize that your brain may or may not in a given day be able to process emotions and deal with organizing things. Some days it's going to feel like you can take on the world. Some days it's going to feel like you can take on nothing. And that can occur within literally 10 minutes of each other, depending on what the the wave of grief is that's really coming in there. Timing. You want to think about timing your meetings when you're most able to handle them. As you get to understand the waves of grief and the way they impact you, you can really start to, over time, be able to think about putting your meetings in an appropriate place when you're most able to concentrate. But in the beginning, I absolutely recommend no more than one. I had one widower client who decided he was going to do social security and the HR meeting and all of that because he used to be able to do that. But what he found was literally after that first meeting, he was so utterly drained by the process, he couldn't process one more piece of information. So he ended up rescheduling the other meetings for that day. And that's, that's why I make those recommendations. Also, support. You know, when you think about doing these processes, a lot of us, our default is to do them alone. And that's not necessarily uh, a smart way to go about it. You're not necessarily recommend, uh, remembering everything that you need to write down or processing or holding it. So often it's helpful to have someone with you to help document that information. My mother is a widow and I actually sat with her in on some of her organizational meetings with my dad's HR department. So I was able to walk through and ask specific questions but she wasn't necessarily on in that meeting. And she, when we hung up the phone, she looked at me afterwards and said, you know what? I wouldn't have even thought to ask those questions. So it's helpful to have one of those born organized friends that we all have in those meetings with us. So just as we're going through this, and there's a lot of things going through someone's mind and, and you, you make some great points about how to organize thoughts, but let's just talk for a minute about decision-making. How do you deal with making decisions at this point? You know, when you think about making decisions, you really want to slow things down. And here's why. You're trying to process more information through a very narrow tube that's basically been impacted by grief. And when I, when I talk to my 
widow clients about decisions, what I tell them is if it's not blowing up, burning up or breaking up or breaking the law, then chances are you can slow down that decision-making process. There really is almost nothing you need to decide quickly. What I also tell people is when you're thinking about making decisions, you want to write everything down because you're going to have times where your brain is, your short-term memory is going to be impacted by grief. So what you want to do is you want to, I usually say, I call it the PCQ method, pros, cons, and questions. Write down the pros and cons of a decision you're trying to make and then have a Q&A column off to the right because that, as you're thinking through these decisions, you'll want to maybe get impact, in, input from other people, but you'll also want to think about it in terms of that pro and con approach as you think through decisions. You want to also maybe consider having a trusted group of advisors that help you think through those decision processes, because oftentimes we see through things through a very narrow lens of our widowhood, and that's fine, but it is biology talking. I mean, remember I talked about that saber-toothed tiger example? Well, our biology is oriented towards getting us to the nearest point of safety, and that nearest point of safety might not necessarily be the right decision for you. It might just be that you're trying to bring your anxiety down. And that makes us prone to making quick decisions that aren't necessarily the right decisions. So that's why bringing in advisors and and bouncing those ideas off your advisor can really be a way to think about things differently, given that you're drenched in grief. You know, you mentioned that working with advisors and and you you made the 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 comment about an inner circle of advisors. And maybe I think, you know, that that could be a deeper conversation for us that we could have as we move forward. So at this point, Maggie, let me ask you this. If our listeners wanted to reach out to you to learn more about some assistance, if they're grieving the loss of a spouse or supporting a loved one, how can they get in touch with you? With me, I can be reached at www.thewidowcoach.com. And there are plenty of resources on my website, including some free books and resources and blogs. Or you can send an email to info at thewidowcoach.com. You can sign up there for a coaching session. I do free coaching sessions just to kind of help people over their initial initial major questions that people have. So I do a free 30-minute coaching session for people, or you can sign up to talk to me a little bit more in detail. Also, I'll be providing some resources as well. Yeah. Maggie, that's great. We really appreciate it. I think uh, maybe what we could do is continue our conversation And in the next episode, talk a little bit about the process of developing your own inner circle of advisors and the people that you can lean on and and trust to provide sound, objective advice. That sounds great. I'd love to do that. I think that my development of my inner circle advisors has, has made all of the difference for me in making better decisions in widowhood. So I really would love to explore that with you further. Great. Well, let's continue that in our next episode. So to reach me, uh, please visit my website at credomwealth.com. This is Todd Bessie with Credom Wealth Partners. Thank you for listening to Widowed But Not Alone. Thank you for listening to Widowed But Not Alone. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of integrated wealth partners. 
The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Investment advice offered through Integrated Partners, doing business as Credom Wealth Partners, a registered investment advisor.